like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk welcome to the latest edition of the just not sports podcast this is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like just not sports on today's show we will talk to nfl reporter and soon to be nfl hall of famer andrea kramer about her love of ballet which makes her the first ballet-performing NFL uh, figure to make the Hall of Fame. Sorry, Herschel Walker. (laughs) And we also will break down the proposed LeBron James reboot of the movie House Party and give you our choices for casting from the athletic world. Adam Willard is licking his chops, ready to go with a batch of notes. I'm your co-host, Brad Burke. I am a sports marketer in Chicago. And joining me also in Chicago, he is a, uh, shall we say, PR week recognized uh, PR professional who has logged time with the University of Colorado, the Green Bay Packers, and many global sports brands. That's right. PR week's 40 under 40 list honoree for 2018, which came out today, Adam Willard. Adam, um... Are you just going to retire from PR now on top? I mean, I don't know. What other awards are there to collect? I don't – I guess this is it, huh? <laughs> I, you, you, you've got, like, the PR EGOT now. Like, you know, you, you have the PR week list, uh, hosting your own podcast that no one listens to. Uh <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know. Having a bunch of athletes, old fo- old cell phones in your own phone, so you can pretend <laughs> yeah. like you could call them up at any point. Yeah, yeah. You're uh, interestingly enough, you're listed as Herschel Walker. So, <laughs> uh, not with us this week. Our uh, our not with us this week is our sports producer Gareth Hughes off filming something he said it's it's some sort of project about cheerleaders and bikinis and we're like sure buddy like (laughs) go do you do you gareth also not with us presumably by the way amazing content for our social channels but thanks for thanks for the images gareth yeah real clickbait with no no, no, nothing sent uh also not with us uh presumably for bikini related uh distractions is our producer joe reed yeah or raincoat in seattle whatever All right. Well, yeah, Joe Reed. Joe Reed hanging around um, cheerleaders would be raincoat in the in the flasher sense, not in the <laughs> stylistic sense. Anyway, right now we're going to take the open of the show and make it wide open. Anything in the sports world that is not sports is fair game. And and look, breaking news. Well, in the past couple weeks, I guess uh, LeBron James, uh, uh, who we we all know best as. Uh, LeBron James? No, I was going to say um, L.A. Lakers great LeBron James. <laughs> is uh, Can we say that yet too early to call him historically great? Uh, uh, you I know, mean, member te- of the Lakers? technically that's correct. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> anyway, he uh, Variety reported, among other outlets, that 
LeBron James is, you know, one of his first forays into Hollywood. We've heard about this Space Jam 2 movie forever. LeBron, until you tweet out a title page of a script that looks like it's longer than five pages, I'm just going to shelf Space Jam, all right? But now we got some real deal news. House Party, the iconic kid and play movie from 1990 about a party that presumably took place at a house. LeBron's going to reboot this. And I'm excited. Adam's excited. So right now we're going to cast the movie using nothing but sports professionals. And Adam, let me start here because this is an older school movie. I remember it like it was yesterday. In fact, I yeah. was thinking a lot about, was it like Class Act and some of the other kid and play movies from that era, right? Yeah, they did four house party movies. They made an appearance in the fifth house party movie that was a bit of a reboot in 2010 and they also did class act yeah class Act's the one i remember that's where they get it's like they get swapped um by the system right and the bully becomes the genius and the genius kind of lives the life of the bully right if i remember correctly but i'll be honest i don't remember seeing that at all well uh, maybe you're not as big a kid and play fan as you. As, uh, maybe I oversold your enthusiasm for this project today, Adam. I'm very excited and did some research about them. I just don't remember that movie. <laughs> All right. Well, tell us about this movie. You rewatched it over the weekend. Um, give us give us a quick synopsis for our younger audience uh, of what House Party actually is all about. Okay. So there are two best friends. Well, really three, but the primary characters are kid and play or chris and chris and play uh they are high <laughs> schoolers um one day chris receives so a he gets in a fight at school um he is worried about getting in trouble with his dad sure enough his dad gets notice and tells him that he's no longer allowed to go to the house party that night kid sneaks out of his father's house uh, goes to the house party, Larity ensues. <laughs> this is the question everyone listening to this is asking themselves right now. I'm going to be the voice of the audience. Which one is kid and which one is play? Kid, light-skinned, flat top. Play, cool, darker skin, mustache. Yeah, all you had to say was one with the hair is kid. <laughs> <laughs> Right, because that's how everyone remembers. I, I have these to look two. this up now, but I'm pretty sure that's correct. Yeah, yeah, no, kid, kid Christopher Reed is 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 Kid Harris, and and uh, Peter Martin is Play. Okay, let's get into casting. Uh, f well, first of all, um, it was kind of a sleeper hit. Put Kid and Play out there, like you said, they got a bunch of other movie deals out of it. What was the movie like? Um, you know, uh, for for you to watch, and can you? Give us a little bit more context about what it, the important role it plays to actually see uh, black representation at this scale in big time, like mainstream pop culture. Yeah, I think it was certainly impactful, not only for the black community, but for hip hop. But I think also that these characters were nuanced. Um, and there was, it sounds weird to say about a movie called House Party, um, but that not every character represented a certain sort of monolithic black stereotype there were characters in the movie who did that but um especially seeing someone as fair-skinned um as kid uh in a lead of a black movie 
was pretty significant for me growing up biracial. I remember distinctively thinking that, like, oh, this is a black movie um, with someone who, uh, at, at, as far as I can tell, is of um, of mixed race. So uh, I always thought that was pretty important, um, and I think it's really cool because this is uh, really the start of the career for Martin Lawrence and Tisha Campbell. They were relatively unknowns when this movie started and then went on to uh, co-star in, in the very popular series Martin. So a lot of um, a lot of historical significance there. And one thing I was struck by is the the hip hop element in here was when rap was still a little bit fun. And again, that uh, yeah. ages me a little. <laughs> ages me a little bit. Um, but like Kid and Play had a rap battle in a party and then shook hands and danced afterwards. I just think. It was a really positive representation of what hip hop culture was, um, and I hope that's reflected in the in the remake as well. The dance sequence, the dance sequence is legitimately one of my favorite movie scenes of all time. Oh yeah, the the, the kid and play kickstep. Yeah, the kickstep that is far more enthralling to watch, even on YouTube over and over again, than I ever imagined it it, it would be. And I think it's because there's a part of us that's nostalgic for. You know, for folks like us in our 30s, we're, we are nostalgic for a time when, sure, you had NWA, you had Ghetto Boys, but you also had MC Hammer, you had Kid and Play. There were a, lots of variations to contemporary rap music that kind of, uh, you know, Heavy D, you, you, booty rappers like Shaquille O'Neal, booty rappers stay booty. Um, and I just, I've, I, I miss that now. I've always said, we've talked on the show, like, who's going to be the rapper who who brings dancing back in the same way that I saw Russell Westbrook at the USA basketball camp wearing short shorts. Uh And I remember thinking distinctly, I bet Westbrook would bring this look back simply because he values being different. Like, I just wonder who's going to come out and be like, I made a hammer style dance rap album and I'm going on tour with a hundred (laughs) dancers. Yeah. It's too bad that being, a positive role model or not even a positive role model, but let's say like, as you said, smiling, being a bit vulnerable or dancing is now seen as so countercultural culture and in, in the black community, almost a sellout. It's too bad that that's where hip hop is right now. And not to say that there aren't a lot of really talented rappers out there who represent the art positively, but um, to appear to be at all jovial, uh, seems to be a negative thing these days. Okay, so let's get to casting, my friend. Um, first questions first. I mean, it's got to be an all-black cast, right? I mean, I, the, the first thing, I didn't want to be pigeonholing people in, but I felt like that's an important statement the movie made about let's look at the African-American community. So how did did that kind of inform your casting choices as well? That's actually what I was going to say first, but as I went through the list and scroll, scrolled through NBA rosters, I do have one exception. Also, I did not go fully NBA. I kind of mixed and matched a couple different oh. sports. So well, let's, well, let's see how this goes. Okay, I, we, oh, go okay, ahead. Go ahead. All right, let's start. Let's start with Kid. He's the really the protagonist of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, crazy dynamic between him and his dad. So let's cast those two roles. Kid and the dad, what were you thinking? So, I have a few options for each of these characters. Okay, me, me too, because shit like Iman Shumpert was just too on the nose for me. 
Exactly. I Iman Shumpert is not in my list either. I think we are on the same page. Um, I only regret that Gareth isn't here because I can only imagine what his list would be like. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, well, so here's the thing. I think the most obvious choice and one I hope they don't go with would be kid in play as Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. So let's hope that they don't do that. They're too old. Okay, wait. I thought about this too. I really thought hard about we have to cast either teenagers or younger people who can sort of pull off I'm a senior in high school because this movie does not work. Uh, I, I mean, it does not work with with thirty three year old LeBron James like pretending he has to get to a house party. I agree. So I went with some younger picks. Um, I'm going to give you two that I think are the strongest, and then I'm going to give you a dark horse. So right. for the role of kid, Larry Nance Jr. came to mind. <laughs> That's pretty good. He he has the right complexion. He's a little bit, I won't say naive, but known as a friendly guy. Um, I just think Larry Nance Jr. could pull it off. Um, and knowing that his dad played during the 80s and 90s, he probably is a little more hip to the to the NBA style from back then. It'd be nice to see. I like. I don't want to see any mumble rap in this movie. If it's going to be hip-hop, I want to <laughs> see some actual verses. I think Larry Nance could pull it off. The second, New New Orleans uh, Pelicans guard Alfred Payton Jr. with the craziest <laughs> I like that. hair in the NBA. Uh, and I also think could pull it off with his demeanor. And then a third, this is my one non-black pick for our casting. I think Jeremy Lin could also pull this role off. That's fascinating. That is because I was like, well, you're going to cast Jimmer Fredette in this role. What are you thinking, Adam? And then, but Jeremy Lin is interesting. Um, you know, comes from a different kind of underrepresented uh, community in the film world, and he's got a little bit of a, a kind of like fun vibe. I like it. I I could yeah. I could go there. Okay, but I got you topped, man. Because we're okay, talking okay. about Let's we're talking. Kid is is nervous, understated, lacking confident, thinks he's a better rapper than he is, and has a crazy father. Lonzo Ball, motherfucker. Lonzo Ball. <laughs> okay. Well, let's just, we can get ahead of this because I put Lonzo Ball in Martin's role for those exact reasons. But like, obnoxious, third wheel, doesn't, he DJs because he can't really rap. He's in LA, he's getting girls, but he's not getting the same kind of girls that those other Lakers teammates are. So I put Lonzo Ball there, but I, I could see him here as well. So here's my Martin Lawrence character, Odell Beckham, because I felt like, oh, first really? of all, I Googled him, and he's only 25, okay? He's got a little bit more, like, I always felt the Martin Lawrence character had a lot more confidence, swagger to him that was sort of undeserved, really? and I just feel like maybe Odell would be a really funny sidekick in a movie like this. See, I think Martin's character... In the movie, there was a lot of false bravado. Odell Beckham Jr., there is no fake confidence there. That is 100% <laughs> real. I could see him maybe in the play role, but okay, I feel you. All right, well, so Lonzo, and if he's going to play kid, then the crazy dad has to be his real dad, right? So 
I no. but but I hated that. <laughs> I I just didn't want to cast Lavar Ball in anything. So here's what I'm going for. Yeah. I tried to find the athlete who I think looks the most like the dad looks in the movie, and I, okay. I landed on Mark Aguirre. Wow, that is uh, <laughs> that that is specific. Um, Mark Aguirre. I went uh, so crazy. So the guy who is crazy might show up in a tank top to a party and beat up a high school student. Charles Oakley. Oh man, that is brilliant. That is really good. Oakley as the dad, because he's also intimidating and kind of like a loose cannon. Although I would say this is the spot where you'd cast LeBron, right? You'd be like, hey, you be oh, as pops? You be the dad hmm. to like an 18-year-old, and you're just like screaming at him oh. and like age him up a little bit so he looks like 45. I think LeBron yeah. would be th- – this is where I would put LeBron if I put him anywhere. I'll tell you what. I follow – this is interest this is another interesting way to do it. Could you do kid as Bronny Jr. and Pops as LeBron? Because I'll tell you what, Bronny Jr., I, I'm a little bit disturbed by um how much I follow about on him on Instagram and various basketball channels. He had his first dunk over the weekend at age thirteen. Um assuming there are no NCAA restrictions or if he plays college basketball at all, uh, I think Bronny might be able to pull this off. Yeah, there will be NCAA restrictions, man. I think that's guaranteed. Uh, I mean, let's face it, though. How many custom shoes has this kid already received from Nike? Remember that? Out. Remember the '90s that Northwestern running back tried to try to be in a movie and like almost lost his scholarship. Oh yeah, break. I do. All right, let's get to play. Uh huh. He's got to be cooler. He's got to be uh-huh. outspoken, funny, confident. Joel Embiid. Oh, wow. That is good. I did not have Joel Embiid here, but I think that's perfect. I have a few. I could see, because I still think he's the coolest player in the league, I do think LeBron might be able to pull off play. Um, But I also included Paul George, who of all the athletes I've worked with is probably the smoothest dude I ever worked with, showed up to an event wearing – pink diamond encrusted shoes and i was like okay paul george and maybe five other people on earth can pull those off and then my third pick should those other two be busy playing basketball is swaggy p swaggy i like swaggy p in that role i just i think he was he was too old man another one that i could see swapping in there someone who is the butt of a lot of jokes um but seems to have some confidence still javel mcgee <laughs> uh yeah we'll see <laughs> okay let's talk about the, the stab is the bad guy right stab is the bad guy all right i'm going there's and there's two other bullies well let's just do the one i think with the only other parts we should cast are stab and then the two female leads okay stab i'm gonna go in Dominican sue because he's still got to intimidate Ooh. Joel Embiid, who I, I also was just mindful of, like, do we just create a world where everybody seems seven feet except for our leads who are, like, 6'3", six, 6'4"? Six, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Indomitian Sue is more intimidating than, I, I think, you know, in a different way than someone like Joel is. And I think he, he has a reputation as just being kind of a kind of a jerk. So I've got a couple here. Uh <sighs> So the player I hate, I dislike, 
most in the NBA, Russell Westbrook. So that's personally just a bias choice. I could see him playing a really good bad guy. The other two, and if you wanted to group the three bullies together, fine. But if we're just looking at stab, other two candidates, DeAndre Jordan and Draymond Green. Mm, I like that. So the two uh, female leads, there's the Tisha Campbell role, Sydney, and then there's AJ, her sort of like spunky sidekick, correct? Uh-huh. Okay. You go you go first here on the uh, let's start with Tisha Campbell. Where would you go with for her? I'm going to go with girl next door, but very pretty. Um charming. Um but like maybe a bit shy. I'm going to go with Aisha Curry. Dude, I picked her too. You want to know why though? If you <laughs> why? can't if you can't beat the Warriors, then at least cast Steph Curry's wife in a role where she's like making out with one of your teammates. That's kind of my thought. As well. <laughs> <laughs> and then for AJ, I went with an athlete who I think is like perfect. Wait, is, I thought it was Shireen. It's AJ. Oh no, AJ's the actress. Sorry, yeah, Shireen. Oh, got it. Okay. So I went with. Someone who I think is is a great follow on Twitter, has the look, has the attitude, and that's U.S. Women's National Team star Sydney LaRue. I just think oh, she'd be awesome in that one. role. Yeah. That is perfect. That's amazing. Um, I was going to concede this one from the beginning because there's no black movie that can be made today without Tiffany Haddish. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a, it's a state uh, in California. It's in the state constitution. She has to be in it. Uh, but the other, the other sports adjacent person I went with, who again, like has the attitude, probably has had a lot of guys chasing her through the years. Iman Shepard's wife, Tiana Taylor. Hmm, that's a good one too. Maybe you know, there's really no other penalty worse than. Not casting Iman Shumpert as kid and then putting his wife in the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and then um, I think we can all agree Drake is banned. Drake is banned. Banned from the set, he, banned from everything. Yeah. he ta- Anytime I see him in anything other than music, it just takes me out of it. Not going to listen to Raptors bench player Drake. Uh, not going to listen to any of his rap until he cracks some minutes. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Send us your submissions. Hit us up on our Twitter, Instagram, uh, on the Instagrams, as it were. Okay. That's wide open for this week. Right now, going to an interview that Adam and I got to do this week with Andrea Kramer. Adam, help us set up. uh, You know, Andrea's had an awesome career, someone who I've always looked up to for her journalism and her work in the NFL. Uh, How'd you align on this, this topic with her? So, Andrea and I had talked about something work-related earlier this summer. I did take this opportunity to ask her to come on the podcast, and she has lived uh, a really incredible life and career. Uh, And we were discussing all the things she does in her free time. Tennis was one of them. And I thought, that's kind of interesting, but uh, didn't quite nail it. And she sent me an article as we were discussing the podcast that was a write-up about her life and career she gets ready to go into the NFL Hall of Fame and there was a line that mentioned that she did 20 years of ballet I had no idea to what extent she did ballet but this at one point was going to be her career of choice until um, 
sports and journalism happened to enter the picture. So I thought it was a really fascinating conversation. Uh, I think one of the key things to point out is the same discipline and tenacity that Andrea approaches her day job with was really developed by her work in ballet. It's awesome. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we're big fans of Andrea, so stick around and enjoy the interview. And after that, Adam and I will be back to distract you. So, Andrea, we do have to talk a little bit about your job. You're going into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that hasn't resonated for me so much yet. Uh, Well, the funny thing is, is I'm one of these people that I sort of get so busy on things that I literally, let's put it this way. I have the appreciation for when the players say the ultimate cliche, which makes us all roll our eyes, which is you take it one game at a time. For me, it's like I take it one story at a time. I take it one job at a time. So I just finished Real Sports, and now, actually, I think this was sort of the first day that I wasn't on deadline for something, which just sort of felt really weird, kind of like when the treadmill's on level 10 and it just stops and you feel like your feet should still be moving. So I've actually started to think about the Hall of Fame and – I have to write my little speech and get ready for it. But truthfully, the people that I've heard from, I mean, some in some cases I've heard from producers that I haven't, you know, worked with in 20-some years, and I'll get a text and say, I don't know if this is still your, your number, but I have to reach out to you. The, 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 the feedback and the, the thoughts and the sentiments that I've gotten from people is unbelievable. It's unbelievable because, you know, you – you get one of these honors based on your body of work, but then the feedback that you get for it speaks to the impact you've had on people, and that's what has been absolutely the greatest joy of my life, my professional life. I mean, it's an amazing honor, so congratulations again. I, I want to know, I mean, look, you worked in media um, for a long time, a very distinguished career. You are never short on the right thing to say, but when it comes to sitting down and writing that speech about yourself and reflecting, is it intimidating? Is it hard to get started, or do you find it's pouring out? Well, the funny thing is, is, <laughs> is it has to be really short. Um, <laughs> we had it. Well, there we had. We there was a, um, and I was actually there for this. There was a um, a certain Pete Rozelle award winner years ago who kind of went on a little bit, like in the forty minute range. And after that, they cut it down dramatically. So I think I have, this just seems so daunting, I think I have about two and a half minutes to encapsulate a 30-plus year career. Other than that, I have no challenges whatsoever, <laughs> you know. So, uh, but yeah, I, you know, you want to try to not sound trite and tell a couple of stories that will hopefully resonate with people. And, um, and then, you know, not forget who you really need to thank. And Truthfully, um, in terms of thanking, I'm really just thanking my family, and then I'm going to basically list some of the mentors that I've had and um, and, and tell a couple stories and get out. That's that's how I, I have to really pretty much approach it. Guys, you know, a lot of times when you get these awards, you're you're kind of done with your career, and I'd like to think that I'm still going strong mm-hmm, and yeah. uh, still even in the prime of my career. So that's something that is 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 also pretty cool. That uh, 
I'm not done yet. You're not done with me yet. <laughs> is is it going to be hard for you to be in a room full of Hall of Famers and not interview them? Oh wow, that's interesting. You know, I've I've well, this class in particular, with the exception of of I think Jerry Kramer, I've worked with every single one of them and pretty much covered every one of their careers. I mean, even Bobby Bethard at the Chargers and at the Redskins, and you know, it's funny because back in my in my first job in television at NFL Films. Um, I, uh, we profiled Bobby Bethard and, uh, I actually still remember one of the shots that I got for that piece. It was really weird, but, um, it's, it's, I've worked with so many of the hall of famers, know them over the years. And, um, and it's, it's just, it's amazing company to be included in. It just, it just is when you, when you think about the people who have been honored, and uh, that you're a very, very small part of that. It's really, uh, it's just, it's, it's daunting, humbling, awe-inspiring, whatever you want to call it. But um, yeah, it's finally happening. And, and you know, I am, um, I am always proud to follow in the footsteps of Leslie Visser, who's the first female enshrined in the Hall of Fame you know, back in 2006, and I will technically be the second. And, um, but I'm really proud of being the first working mom. I believe ever honored by the Hall of Fame because mm-hmm. that's um, you know for me that's a that's a that's a really big deal and I and I mentioned to you about you know so many people that I've heard from I've heard from a lot of the moms who basically said you showed us that it's okay you showed us that you can cover this crazy sport you can be in this crazy life and you can run around and report and you can still you know have a family and that I never ever ever realized what kind of a role model that was but. You know, when I had my son 18 years ago, there weren't a lot of women who were having kids that were in the sports business at that time. Well, we have broken our own rule enough, and we've talked a lot about your work. We want to talk about what you do when you're not working. And you sent me an article the other day, and I did not know that you were involved in ballet for 20 years. How did that start? Uh, Well, don't all little girls do ballet? No. Um, you know what? Uh, my parents, my parents were great in that they exposed me to a lot of different things in terms of playing sports and uh, uh, you know. So I, I, throughout high school, I played three sports: you know, um, tennis, swimming, and field hockey. But I always danced. I danced probably starting from about maybe when I was five years old, and and then I kind of got okay at it. And so I started to get a little bit more serious about it. And I danced with several companies in Philadelphia and in New York. And um, uh, it was all, it was never kind of mutually exclusive to, to my interest in sports. And um, when I was in about, I want to say eighth grade, I, I, growing up in Philadelphia, I had danced at the Pennsylvania Ballet and they came to my parents, came to my mom and they said, would this is what you did back then? Would she be interested in finishing high school in correspondence so she can dance full time? And my mom, you know, God bless her, she knew what the answer was going to be, but she at least wanted to kind of ask me and make me feel like I had a say in the decision. And it was a no brainer to me. No, I, I wanted to dance, but there's no way I was giving up my high school. And, um, mm-hmm. and my mom said to me, she goes, you can do whatever you want as long as you can juggle it all, you can compartmentalize, and, you know, your grades don't suffer. And so I was able to do all that. And um, I, I performed quite a bit, and, um, and 
then as I got older, uh, I danced all throughout high school and college in terms of performing. And, um, and then after college, I went to law school and, uh, I lasted a year. It just was not for me. My dad was a judge. I knew what I was getting myself into. I mean, I, this is my whole life was just, it was just sort of a given. I was going to go to law school and I really, it just wasn't for me at that time in my life. And, um, it was funny because, uh, I was going to school at Fordham Law School in New York. My family was in Philadelphia and I come home for Monday night football for a game and I'm out to dinner with my parents and I leaned over to my mom and I said, I'm going to take a leave of absence from law school. And she looked to me and says, could you just tell your father after the game, please? And <laughs> you know, I, I told him and, uh, and, you know, he did not want me to leave law school. He said, you know, I don't care if you ever practice for a day in your life, but this is a, a, this is a way of thinking and you're always going to have this. And he was right about that, but I just, I just couldn't do it. It was the biggest sort of professional, if you will, decision I made at, my, at that time in my life. And so here I am. I, so I got a job. I'm living in New York, and I ended up getting a job as a paralegal down on Wall Street. And I was still dancing. So I, one of my girlfriends says, oh, will you come with me to this audition? I want company. So I go with her to the audition, and I got into the company, and she didn't. So I ended up dancing with two different companies in New York and uh, ended up coming back to Philadelphia, dancing more. But by now, I was dancing. I was teaching ballet. I was uh, actually working as the company manager for the company I was with. I was writing NEA, National Endowment for the Arts grants. So I was really pretty much, I was, it was really a big part of my life. Uh, and then I started freelance writing at the same time. And that was the big change that ended up leading to, uh, to, to where my career went. But yeah, you know, I, I, I love ballet and um, it, it really set a structure for my life, which really permeates, you know, every day for me still, uh, still at this point in my life. Can you tr try to describe for our, our, our audience just how physically and mentally taxing um, dance is? I, I mean, I, I know people who have done it at various levels and just uh, it, it is something to behold all that you have to put into it to, to be good. Well, it's, it's very, it's ironic that one of the best things that happened to ballet was the phenomenal Under Armour commercial with Misty Copeland, who's the first African-American principal dancer with American Ballet Theater. Um, and I don't know if, if, if you remember what that, it, it's from the I Will What I Want campaign. Mm -hmm. And she is so incredibly athletic and physical while also being artistic and, and, and you know, and, and, graceful and balletic that uh it but that was to me the turning point where people said finally they finally saw how athletic ballet can be and you know i just i it it's one of those things where as as any art form i think it kind of speaks to your soul if you will you know i mean uh you know i um i i i just loved it and it's 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 really taxing um I remember, uh, let's see, you know, aside from all the normal stuff about, you know, you know your, your feet, what it kind of can do to your feet being on point all the time, I was, I, had a, I was dancing with a partner, you know, male partner, and I'm very small, 
so I'm easy to lift, and we were doing a lift, and, you know, they grab you right under your ribs. That's how they, when, when they lift you, that's how they lift. And he went in hard and cracked my ribs. Oh, wow. Oh, that hurt like a... <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can curse on here. Go ahead. But, it, you know, you, you keep going. It's just that simple. You, you keep going no matter what it is. You don't, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had, you know, any kind of bruised or cracked ribs, but what you don't want to do is sneeze or laugh. So as long as you stay away from those two things, you're, you're, in, a, you're in a good place. But, um, no, I loved it. I loved it. Um, I, I, will, I will tell you this, though. So the thing about, that I think is really important about ballet is got to be realistic. You've got to know how good you are or how good you are going to be. And I, I always felt that I had a pretty good handle on that. I was, I was okay, but, you know, I wasn't going to be making a lifelong career out of it. And, and I, I knew that. But I hadn't figured out what it was going to be that was going to really take the place for me. So I was in Philadelphia, and I was – as I mentioned, at, at the company where I was doing all these different things and I was freelance writing. And they knew that I was a dancer, so they were having me do theater reviews and dance reviews. But they also knew I liked sports. So every now and then they'd throw me a little bone and let me write a sports story. And this is for the, it's now, it's no longer in existence, the Mainline Chronicle in Ardmore, Pennsylvania, which was the largest weekly newspaper in Pennsylvania at that time. So I'll never forget, in fact, I have it here in my office, a picture of my first ever interview. Am I allowed to say the word S-H-I-T on your yes, podcast? Please. Yes, I yes. was scared shitless. <laughs> oh, my God. I look so nervous. I'm interviewing Dick Vermeil, who had just left the Philadelphia Eagles, the famous burned out, uh, you know, he burned out of coaching. And I'm sitting at his house, and I'm interviewing him. And, you know, th- at that time, I had hair down to my waist, and my hair's pulled back, and I look very serious. And it's the first interview I ever did. And... um and so I would start writing, you know, more and more sports. And one day the editor, managing editor, comes to me and said, well, the sports editor got fired slash quit. Are you interested in the job? And, you know, my eyes get as big as saucers. And he goes, but listen, I'm just being honest with you. This is a seven-day-a-week, 24-hour-a-day job. No more dancing, no more rehearsal, no more performance. This is it. You need to understand this. And listen, I don't want to sound like a snob, but there's a part of me that always said, Ivy League graduates don't become ballet dancers. And I, oh, as I said, I always knew that something was going to take its place. I just didn't know what it was. And here it was, sports writing. And, and you- just like that, I gave up dancing. I cut my hair, which is like, you know, you feel like Samson, you know, you're cutting your hair off. And, and it was really hard. But I had to stop cold turkey for a variety of reasons, the least of which was my job. And, um, and that's it. That launched my career in sports. You mentioned earlier that ballet has permeated your life even after you stopped dancing. How did the the discipline or the skills that you learn during your dance career apply to your career in journalism, and how does it still impact you today? Yeah, well, you just said the key word, which was discipline. It just it it. There's something about the rigors of dance and how it just gives you a disciplined mind. And uh, the word that my mom always used to use, compartmentalize. So 
I would compartmentalize going to school and, and dancing and playing sports. And today, basically, I'll, I'll compartmentalize working for three different networks and teaching graduate school and having a family and, and doing all the things that, you know, mom needs to do no matter where you are. I mean, I've been in, I've been in Beijing at the Olympics setting up play dates for my kid halfway around the world, thank God there was a 12-hour time difference. So, you know, if somebody called me at, at uh, you know, at, at 7 o'clock in the morning, it was really 7 o'clock at night or vice versa. So, but, it, it, but yeah, I just, I still feel to this day, I still feel sort of that impact of, of ballet that, um, that uh, uh, it really has enabled me to, to have the structure and discipline in my life, which, uh, which is vital. Is there a misconception about dancers that, that, that you hear that you'd like to clear up uh, or something that I think people project onto, you know, that particular art form that you just, you know, you don't buy? Well, some of the stereotypes are true. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> but um, no, I think, um, I think we, we, we sort of touched on a little bit earlier, the athleticism of, of, of ballet. It's, and I think it's, I really think it's more so today than ever because I mean, back when, when I was dancing, we were just starting to do Pilates, which is really funny oh, wow. because right. I love when people, I love when people discover Pilates like <laughs> 10 years ago. And I said, yeah, well, I was doing it about 25 years ago, you know, because it's really started with dancers as a way to, as first of all, as a way to rehab and also sure. as a way to, you know, really remain strong. But um, I just, I think that uh, the, just the notion of, how physically demanding it is and you know it is not a sport it is an art form but it it is it is very athletic and i just think that it's it's just an incredible expression of art it's just that simple and um and i i i i think that people kind of figure that out but i think it's more the athleticism that they that they don't necessarily appreciate, you know. It's so it's it's very ironic because over the years, well, I don't know if you guys remember because you're probably way too young for this, but Herschel Walker, when he was with the Cowboys, oh yeah, he yeah. did a stint with the Fort Worth Ballet Company, and of course, I did that story. So that was I'll never forget that. That was pretty interesting. And then um, Lynn Swan uh, took some classes with. Um, Arthur Mitchell, who was the head of the Dance Theater of Harlem, Harlem at one point. Uh, founded it, and um, you know, there's always there's always been, especially um, you know, for the the positions where you may need to be especially athletic or life. I mean, and that's that's a word I I would think of that comes to mind when I think of Lynn Swan. Obviously, I mean, his look look. Think about the iconic catch in the Super Bowl and how he contorted his body. I mean, if that isn't if 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 that's not a balletic type move, I don't know what is. But uh, you know, I think that over the years there have actually been football players who have been, you know, really humbled by by understanding what dance is all about, and um, and I've always appreciated that aspect of things. Andrea, I was actually going to bring up uh, Vance Johnson because I grew up in Colorado, and he, I think he started doing ballet in the late late eighties, early nineties, and then uh, was part of a a dance company in Colorado. So guys. It seems that guys used to use ballet more for cross training, and now uh, guys do boxing and MMA and a lot of other, maybe even CrossFit, but not so much. 
dancing. Why do you well, think that is? Well, but you see is? a lot of guys doing yoga. You do yeah. right, you, right. You see guys yeah, doing true. yoga and um, and and things like that to to try to keep supple and 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 the strength. And even you could even argue that what Brady does um, with uh, you know with his band workouts, yeah. you know that certainly isn't isn't you know that physically taxing you know beat the crap out of your body type of thing that you might get with boxing or MMA or CrossFit or something like that. So it sounds like we have a business opportunity here. Maybe <laughs> if we make a trip to the pro bowl this year and make a, and do some recruiting, uh, we can launch our own dance school. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I dancing is just, it's good for you aerobically as well. You know, it's, uh, Good to good to just keep the old bod moving. I think, uh, you know, I, it's I, I I definitely think that uh, you know getting over some of these stereotypes. But I like I said, if you were to bring someone like Misty Copeland out there, even though you know she's my size, she's five foot two, she is tiny, and you would you know if you've seen if you ever seen her dance or if you've seen mm-hmm. pictures of her or anything like that, you would never know that she is that you know, that she is that petite. But um, by the way, you do notice that I don't say short. I say petite. Um, (laughs) So, but yeah, I think, uh, I think if anybody would see her, they would not in any way uh, doubt the athleticism that it's necessary for the artistic pursuit. Well, first of all, that explains why Adam always calls me petite. Um, <laughs> since he's got like two two feet on me, uh, let me ask about you as ballet, um, just aficionado. You know, you, you you have an appreciation for dance as someone who has done it. Have you like I guess retained your interest in it? Do you go to see the ballet several times a year? Do you have favorite shows or hallmark shows that that you love to to talk about or analyze? I mean, what is your relationship with it as um, as a spectator? Well, I mean, if, if given the opportunity, I definitely want to go and see it whenever I can. I have not yet seen Misty Copeland dance in person at, with, AB, with American Ballet Theater, and that's something I definitely, definitely, definitely want to do. Um, I think the last ballet I saw was New York City Ballet, which might have been two years ago. Uh, I mean, Alvin Ailey is absolutely phenomenal, uh, just absolutely phenomenal um, uh, dancers. So, no, I still enjoy it quite a bit, and... Um, uh, but in terms, I, I will I will segue and tell you that um, uh, for all of the great ballet that I've ever seen, nothing from an artistic point of view compares to Hamilton. Oh, am, really? I admit I'm fully obsessed. I've seen it <laughs> twice, including with the the original cast, and uh, it's the greatest piece of art that I've ever witnessed in any form in my entire life. Wow. I think Hamilton is a great example of where I was going to go next was that is a culture that serves as a, as a gateway or a bridge for a lot of people um, who may not have more uh, exposure to some of the more traditional stuff, but they've, they've gotten a new appreciation for it. I think as we've talked about, you know, defying stereotypes there, we've seen from a lot of NFL um, and sports figures that they have broader interests than we sometimes give them credit for it. I specifically go to examples like Justin Tucker doing opera, um, you know, at a a high level or things like that on the side. Have you encountered a lot of people in the sports world um, that were you know, that had a deeper appreciation or, or fandom for the arts uh, than you necessarily expected? And, and and have you just ever had anybody that kind of surprised you with how much, uh, th- you know, they were into it? 
Well, it's funny. I feel like you've put the ball on the golf tee and handed me the right club. Um, <laughs> so this month on HBO Real Sports, it just debuted uh, Tuesday night, I profiled Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, who is the only active player believed to ever be a, a, a doctor. And mm. uh, he's a guard for the Kansas City Chiefs, uh-huh. uh, French-Canadian. And um, growing up, he, they didn't have a t- they never, his, his parents, to say they were unconventional would be an understatement. Uh, at one point when he, Laurent was nine and then again when he was 16, his parents took him, took him and his two sisters on year-long sailing trips in the Caribbean. Hmm. Not for a day, not for a week, <laughs> for an entire year. So his life experiences from that alone are amazing. But he danced, he did art, he did painting. Um, he actually didn't play football, hardly knew anything about football until high school. And he was actually too big of a kid to even play hockey, which is sort of blasphemous in Canada, but that's what he got away with. And he may be the, the most renaissance man as a player in, in the National Football League that I've come across. Hmm. And uh, just absolutely fascinating. All right. So that's, that's sports. I'm shifting back to, to ballet. We're, we're staying in our wheelhouse here on Just Not Sports. So Couldn't help it. Sorry. What about, what about popular culture and dance? I mean, I, you know, I, think, I look at things like Black Swan the last few years and, and the kind of white hot phenomenon they become for a little bit. And then maybe it, it fades out again. How do you feel about the way that ballet has been depicted in popular culture? And, and do you think that they're, what are they getting right? What are they getting wrong? You know? Well, Black Swan was was pretty intense, but you know, would you was that really a movie about ballet and ballet <laughs> right. culture? Or you know, it's it's one of those things. I mean, you 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 have, I think you also have this a lot in in you know in the sports genre of of uh, you know was it really about football or was it about you know was it a was it an assessment of of you know, a, a certain period of, of time. Is Hamilton about politics or is it really about, you know, the cult, a cultural phenomenon and, and, and racial issues and things of that nature? So, you know, a lot of times I think that even though they may have the backdrop, I mean, I didn't see the movie, but Jennifer Lawrence in Red Sparrow when she played a retiring ballet dancer who was a spy, you know, yeah. again, ballet is just sort of a vehicle that, you know, the dancer sort of seems kind of exotic and, and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Did you guys see I, Tanya, the movie I, Tanya? Yes. Yeah. Was, was that solely like was that solely about ice skating? You know what I mean? Would you say that's an ice skating movie or? Right. You, uh, obviously, it's a little bit different because it's, you know, it's, it's basically it was basically biographical. But, you know, there's always sort of bigger picture issues that I think come out in in these types of, of books or these types of, of films. As you said, uh, you have a lot more career left, but when you are done with journalism, if you are ever done with journalism, do you ever want to make any kind of return to dance? Do you have any desire to be involved with it? You know, I, um, you know, when I, so when I, when I stopped dancing, as I said, I, I stopped cold Turkey because I needed that, well, I needed it for my job, 
but I needed it sort of for my for my peace of mind because I think if you've ever been even kind of good at something, it's really hard to pick it up suddenly as a hobby or or morph into it as a hobby. Right. So I didn't dance for, for quite some time, maybe like I'm going to say almost two years. And I think, you know, I mean, I've always been athletic and always been, you know, doing doing stuff athletically because I, I feel that I, I really need that in my life. But I finally, when I, I think it was when I joined ESPN and I opened the bureau in Chicago, and I sort of started very quietly to take some classes at Chicago Ballet. Just, you know, you go in there, nobody knows who you are. They're not asking about the Bears quarterback. They're not, you know, nobody, they just, they kind of just like leave you alone a little bit. And, and it just, it, 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 it kind of just brought this sort of joy to my heart. And, um, uh, I, I realized I missed it, but I, it's not like I was going back to it or anything like that. Sure. So over the years, I've, I've still periodically taken classes and I still love anything that has movement in it. And, you know, I, I'll get kind of grief sometimes because uh, in very strength and conditioning classes that I still take, uh, you know, somebody will have their, their hand up maybe in a yoga position and mine will be in, you know, in a, in a high fifth position. So <laughs> sort of like, uh, oh, yeah, well, I, we can see where you, you know, where your roots lie. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it'll always be a, a part of my life. And, and uh, it, it's really funny because I'm one of these people – I keep. I try to keep a very separate uh, uh, separation of, of church and state, separation of of private life and 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 professional life. One of my producers got married, and um, uh, my husband and I are at her wedding, and they had a phenomenal, phenomenal band, just a great, great, great band. And the bride and I and and some of her girls. I mean, we're all dancing, and I'm I'm kind of a good dancer. Like uh-huh. kind of, you know, and so I'm dancing, and there were work people there, and they were like, "Oh my God, we're like seeing this other side of you," and it made me it made me kind of feel very self conscious because, again, you know what I do. I, I mean, I'm I'm thinking you're just there as a guest. You're you know we're all there. We don't really work together. You know, it's almost like. It would have been as bad as if I showed up in a bikini or something like that in front of people I work with. Like, no, no, you know, turn around, whatever it is. It was just a, it was a funny thing. And and one of my coordinating producer goes, one of my coordinating producers says, "You're a really good dancer." And I said, um, "Yeah." And let's just forget what we saw, okay? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, th- we wanted to thank you very much, um, and we hope uh, you have many dances ahead of you. Um, and enjoy a little bit of dancing when you go to Canton here pretty soon. Yeah, congratulations. Yes, well, it's amazing and so well-deserved. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate it. I, I hope your audience is going to be in, interested in all the dance stuff. I don't know, but, you know, and anything that I guess is a little bit different, right? That got to always, as I always say, if I approach a story, you always want to try to – Enlighten the audience with something that sets you apart, and hopefully you have accomplished that. My diamonds wet like I'm, uh, I told him I'm on the way. I told him get out my face. I told her give me some space. Hey, it's only money I chase, and I gotta go get it. These people be mad because they know that I get it. They know that I got it. I 
bought a rollie, I bought me a bracelet. These people be hating, I know they do watching. I'm on a roll when they want me to stop it. No, I'm at the top, ain't no stopping. Only place I'm going to stop is the bank. And we are back in the sports world. Athletes, coaches, media, they all do interesting things. And then we tell them, stop being interesting. Get back to watching game film. That's ridiculous because life is just work and the things that distract us from work. So right now on this show, we're going to tell you what's been distracting us this week. Adam, one of the reasons we love sports is for those people who hang with something they really they really want desperately, and they, they, they climb the mountain, they get to the summit, and we feel like it was a victory for all of us collectively in society. And this is like Michael Jordan getting past the Pistons and the Lakers and hugging that trophy. It's like Dirk, you know, you know, flaming out of the playoffs and the finals and then coming back and, 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 and winning that final championship or, or those golfers, like the best to never win a major, just finally getting the monkey off their back. I think we've reached the pinnacle of that. We, the, the, something that happened to me is, is the, the absolute peak of sticking with something and finally doing it, and we all give a collective hallelujah because Adam, defying the odds, Brad Burke now has Netflix. <laughs> you do. <laughs> that is amazing. Congratulations, man. And oh, man, as my wife said, it's like we're living in 2014 again because I went right to like, let's watch Making a Murderer. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, oh, shit, Stranger Things season one. You want to do this? <laughs> like, it's, it's honestly like I'm living in three or four years ago. That is awesome. Uh, we picked up a Roku. Shout out Roku if you want to send some free product, uh, and uh, which I'm sure you will not. <laughs> And just enjoying it, man. Watching That's some great. lots of lots of kids stuff for the for the girls, and uh, yeah. my wife and I going to try and get into some of this other shit. So the key is, you need to have a setup for yourself, your own account, and one for the kids, or you will be overwhelmed with kid recommendations. So I, w- I would make that. I would not that I have kids. I've just heard this from other parents yeah i mean the reco stuff and i'm still trying to figure that out it's probably gonna be a few months before i i really know how to use this any suggestions if you could prioritize what would be the first two things you'd go to um on netflix my two favorite things i would watch both seasons of luke cage big fan of that show uh and i would just oh so here's my second recommendation so I, I forget exactly how I did this, but if you Google Netflix sports-specific movies, you can find um, all these different codes that will help you create your own categories. So if you're looking for really niche categories, in our case, maybe it would be basketball movies or sports comedy movies, all of those can be found in this lengthy list. You can add those to your queue and then so that will be cop- constantly populated with material for the show, Brad. I'm loving it. But now that I have Netflix, the first thing I'm going to cut in my life is this fucking podcast. <laughs> yeah, you don't have any more time. <laughs> All right. That's my distraction uh, for, for now and many weeks ahead. What, what's been distracting you, Adam? Um, I am looking to take a vacation. I remember uh, I had a coworker recently say, like, hey, I don't 
know that you've actually I, I take some days off here and there but they said uh, the co-worker who I've worked with for two years said I don't think you've taken a actual vacation in the two years I've worked with you just in passing um, so I'm committing to taking that time because I do think uh, that balance is important and shutting down can only make you better in other areas of your life so I am looking for a nature specific vacation and I feel like maybe I said this year ago and I never took the vacation so opening things back up to recommendations I would like to take a uh, as isolated as possible vacation in nature where cell phones don't work uh, please email me at adam.willard w-o-u-l-l-a-r-d at gmail.com or better yet Posted on our social media feeds. Okay. I mean, if you want isolated, man, uh, my wife and I did this resort in Mexico that was awesome. And it was like a little bit out of the city center. So we just kind of hung out at the resort the entire time. Um, I love that. Garza Blanca, I believe it was called, and Puerto Vallarta outside of that. That's Distractions this week. That's our show this week. Let's thank Andrea Kramer, the Hall of Famer. It was awesome to talk ballet with her. It was awesome to talk shop and a little bit of context for how she's getting ready for the ceremony. Um, Super fun. Go check out her work. Uh, Go follow her online. Adam, any shout-outs you want to make? As usual, I'd like to shout-out my boy Uzi, Def Jeff, Little Swanee, Meech. Ron Mack, and my other cousin, Ron. And in the immortal words of potentially pops in the Kid and Play reboot <laughs> by, by LeBron, Shaquille O'Neal, booty rappers. Stay booty. Stay booty. Stay booty.